Rogers, who the only place he's going to take it to is the toilet bowl. And then you got Brett Favre, who will take it to the Super Bowl. I do like me a triple butter burger with cheese and the works, you know, ketchup, mustard, pickles. Could the package be really good? Yeah, I certainly would love that. But also to say that, is this look like a rebuild? Probably. If you think we're in a rebuild, then you got the wrong team. QB1, man. Come on, man. Best QB in the league right here. What's up, John Money? What's up, guys? This is Jeff Giannis. And Giannis does it! Stop it! Oh, please! What a cat! That's insane! You're listening to the Poor Man's Packers Podcast. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Poor Man's Packers Podcast, the one Packers Podcast in the state of our minds. I am Spencer, joined this week with Todd and Billy Boys. Hello, hello. Greetings, gentlemen. And the Green Bay Packers have made the playoffs, finishing the season at 9-8. and eight. Some of us might have predicted that correctly to start the year. <laughs> Beating the Bears 9-17 to 17 in a classic NFC North battle. One of the weirdest 17-point games. It sure felt like the offense was moving the ball more than they were, but a beautiful game. We Officially, it seems like we have a quarterback. You know, some, some teams, they'll go... You know, maybe a season, maybe a coaching tenure, maybe a decade, maybe multiple decades without, you know, feeling like they have a quarterback. We had three weeks in October, and it sure feels like we found our guy. Some would say no four home. weeks, maybe. I think we had four losses in a row. Yeah, I, I guess I'm just thinking the month because we had that bye week there, too. But mm. That was that was three Oakland. football weeks. The bye week was in there. Yeah. So we had to we had a rel- uh, was relish in it for a little while. Yes. But. Well, and it was the worst because it was Raiders, Broncos, Vikings. And that is that is the worst I felt as a fan. And now, somehow, making the playoffs, I think what we won, we went 7-2, and 6-2 and two to finish off the season. Pretty good in my book. Um, I don't know. I ended up going to the game. But before we get into that, any overarching thoughts with, one, I guess, making the playoffs, and two, just how, how fun the game seemed to be for everyone. I think in general, this team, it, this is like the most excited I've been about a team. Like as I'm watching the game, I'm just thinking like the team is littered with talent. Jordan Love gets better every single week. I mean, this this is the box score does not reflect in how good Jordan Love was. He had 300 yards. He had an amazing completion percentage. Should have had four touchdowns. Like it's literally two drops. Romeo Dubs drop and then the Bo Melton drop. And like one of them could have both of them legitimately could have been called touchdowns, even with the yeah. drop, right? Like five incompletions, two of them should have been touchdowns in that game. Yeah, right. So then what's his completion percentage? Like 87 or 89% if those are caught. Ridiculous. I mean, absolutely insane. And you have guys that, I mean, barely even played. Um, Musgrave got in for what was it like? It was a handful of plays. He caught one ball, I know. But like, yeah, they had nine snaps, eight or nine snaps. I mean, Christian Watson didn't play. Like, and I'm just like watching him. Like, literally, everybody can make a play. This is insane. I mean, it's the most exciting offense we've had since 2011. I mean, scored, I mean, it was crazy. Scored 17 points, didn't punt a single time, which is one of the more weird statistics as well. I think just big picture here, like. Is this the best case scenario for this team? Like going into the year, what were our concerns? We wanted to figure out if Jordan Love was the guy. Mm-hmm. Like it wouldn't have done us a whole lot of good to go to the playoffs and Jordan Love looks like Derek Carr. Yep. You know, but for him to look the way he does and we make the playoffs on top of it, like that's 
it's gravy in my book. You know, the season in my book is already a success regardless of what happens in Dallas on Sunday. And that's what I didn't want to say last week where I stopped myself because I think I said that the previous year or two where I'm like, God, it's been such a great year. Like, I don't even care if we make the playoffs. And it's like <laughs> the comeback, everything else. And like you're saying there, Billy, anyone who set realistic expectations, as long as you're not an actual idiot or an actual, you know, fanatic... Well, which we might be. Yeah. Which we we could be. We are talking on a podcast talking about the about the football team of a bunch of, you know, our make believe friends playing a football <laughs> game. But anyone like to make the playoffs in the first year with Jordan Love, like this is beyond any type of expectation I had. Where now it's like, yeah, we're we're very optimistic about being in the playoffs, but it's more so it's like and it's been the term everyone's thrown around this week, is playing with house money where yeah, we could get shit on this week, but we're going to be one of those sneaky, you know, Super Bowl teams, I think, going into next year. Like, <laughs> not like you want to compare it, but like how uh, Fields was a sneaky MVP bet, like going into the season. But it's like, we're going to be that young upstart team going into next year. So I'm very, very excited about that. And sticking with that, I did end up going to the game. I bought my ticket. I, I went by myself. A nice four-hour drive there and back. Um, got to Lambo an hour before kickoff. Parked my car. I'm like a mile away. Super dumb luck. A lady comes by on a party bus. She's like, hey, do you want to ride to Lambo? I'm like, absolutely. She would have done it for free, but I gave her a $5 tip, so that saved me like 20 minutes getting there. I'm just and imagining it was like the scene in Dumb and Dumber at the very end of the movie. <laughs> the bus bus like rolls up and except, it literally was yeah. Like except she has like open. she's got a sausage in her mouth and she's like, <laughs> yeah. "Hey, do you want to ride to Lambo?" She was. Uh, I don't think I mentioned it last year, but when I went to the Lions game week 18 last year, I sat next to a woman who had a mustache, and this woman wasn't far off at Drew yeah. Wisconsinite, but. Uh, Something else. I don't know if you guys saw this on the telecast or anything. Did you see who the uh, one of the captains were for, or the alumni captain for this game? No, I did not. It was Najee Davenport and Sam Congato. So when I saw that Sam, your two favorite guys, there, yeah, the crapper and the doctor. Yes. So I had to be there for that. Um, I bought my little portable radio that uh, I bought Amazon the day before, so I listened to the game while being there, like a true old person. Um, from since last year, they added the mini scoreboard in the middle, the nice big jumbotron in the south end zone, I believe, and the replays were incredibly quick, which was different from last year. And man, just watching the game, I was like fifty yard line, twenty six rows up, I believe. Like all the little nuanced things that you don't get to see watching from home. Like I, I tweeted out that thing with uh, Tyler Davis, the tight end who tore his ACL, and how he's holding up the personnel cards. That was pretty cool, and. The best part was obviously winning the game, you know, the kneel down, everyone's celebrating. I was like, ah, this is awesome, especially when I'm thinking back to last year, how I wasted all that time going there just to watch them lose and put up a pretty shitty effort against the Lions. And everyone running on the field, and then all of a sudden you hear the loudspeaker guy or whatever the dude, not on the intercom, but the scoreboard dude saying, oh, and your Green Bay Packers have made the playoffs, and they instantly have the graphic up on the scoreboard and fireworks are going off, and I was like, this is amazing. This is like peak life right here. Like I, I wasn't expecting an announcement, so that was just pure happiness for me, which I wasn't expecting. And then I hurried up, ran to my car, and got home at 11 p.m. Made pretty good time making it back on. The, how many on the uh, How many Bears fans were there? 
So I sat next to one Bears fan. Uh, How was it? Very, very quick chat. He was, he was good. He didn't talk much. I asked him what he thought about Fields and have much of an opinion. And then I was like, who, who do you like more between the two running backs? And he hemmed in hot and said, I don't have a favorite between the two. I'm like, okay, this guy, because clearly I have a favorite between our top two running backs. He, so guy. he's not a super fan by any means. Did not seem to be, and then there was a couple drunk idiots behind us who seemed to be, they, they were talking a lot of shit. They were, after the field slide where he got hit in the head, they were like, oh, throw the flag, blah, blah, blah. And then Fields popped up like 10 seconds later, ran to the ran to the huddle, and I was like, huh, looks like he was he was just milking it, guys. Huh, look at that. I guess he was fine the whole time. And I know he did have the concussion protocol thing after, but that was the <laughs> one time I spoke literally one play, that was like the quickest independent neurological investigation I've yeah, ever seen. That was a little odd how quickly they got him back out on the field. I mean, I was surprised they took him off the field just because yes. the rules don't apply to quarterbacks. You know, when it comes to concussions, they'll just keep him on the field, but... I thought if they were, it would have been right after that play. Because just watching it live, it was yeah. like, yeah, his his head bounced off of the turf there. And Hard. he played like two or three more snaps, and then they finally took him off. Like, oh, okay, that's, that's, that's somebody's, somebody's asleep at the wheel. Yeah, and it could have been Fields with his head too. But I didn't. I, I was like, he didn't hit him that hard. Then I saw the replay later because they weren't showing the replay at Lambo. And I was like, oh, his head did hit the the ground pretty hard but it's at the yeah. same time he was he was a runner i don't think it was a passing play like he was a runner the whole way so this, it's like you can't you can't you slide at someone's feet and expect yeah. to not get hit right. and credit to was it jonathan owens credit to jonathan owens for not leading with the shoulder it was like more mm-hmm. of a forearm shiver that he hit him with it was just the fact that he was running at him and fields giving up at the end that caused him to like snap down to the ground you know that's what it looked yeah, like it, on the broadcast it kind of reminded me of the fair catch, non-fair catch interference in the Vikings game. Yeah. Again, watching it live, I was like, that was an awfully late fair catch. So I was expecting them to pick up the flag, and sure enough, they did. Yeah, and it, the rules analyst guy said that it should have been picked up, apparently, too. So Because there's guess no we'll... rule or something about, yeah, about the... Are you talking about I'm, the slide? I'm talking yeah. about the slide. Yeah. yeah. You, yep. I, you... I would expect that you have to give players i mean whether it's fair catch or sliding or whatever like you have to give them a chance to get out of the way like you can't bend the laws of physics to avoid a quarterback true very true um yeah i guess we'll just get right into it we'll talk offense defense take news we're just going to talk about the playoffs yada yada we'll have his calling idiots and packers trivia and then of course preview the cowboys game where we will be meeting with mr mike mccarthy but starting things off i mean again it well Offense. So I I don't know if I've been remorseful or how I should conduct myself on the podcast because I've always been a pretty pro Rogers guy. You know, I, I was a little hesitant of moving on to Jordan Love. You know, I, I, I think this past off season, I, season I'd said like in, to start 2022, I would have signed Nuke. I would have made a couple of I would have fired Joe Barry. And I think that team could have made a playoff run or a Super Bowl run, I should say. But now with what we've done this year. It's like, I always wanted to make a run with Rodgers because we knew what he was capable of. But now this is so exciting because Jordan Love looks pretty good and we don't know what he's capable of. And we, we're going to get like, you know, 10, 10 years of this fucking guy. So I'm pretty excited about that. But Jordan Love, this game, pretty huge game from him in a pretty important game as well. 27 for 32 100, or 316 yards, the two touchdowns only sacked the one time, but God, it's just, 
it is so fun watching him play. I mean, you don't want to say he's Mahomes, but he's doing the fucking Mahomes shit where he's running around with the sidearm passes. You know, we had the deep outside throw to Wicks. We had the two, like we talked about the Melton and Romeo Dubs touchdowns that should have been the third down throw to Reed on the final drive. And I mean, just that final drive alone to start at the six yard line, Aaron Jones on the first play loses three. And we still milk the clock out with a huge third down throw to Reed, the other one to Tucker Craft when Jordan Love was on the run, which was kind of a pass that he missed the previous week, you know, against the Vikings on the run in the red zone and just kind of misses guy. Tucker Craft, he's able to do it. He had the bad fumble, which wasn't great. And the whole end of the first half, that whole shit storm was less than ideal. But God, again, I, I don't know if anyone could be upset with Jordan Love at this point or have any questions. You know, after the game, Matt LaFleur, too, said, I don't think there's any questions left for him being the guy. So very, very happy with all that. Yeah, in general, I mean, <clears throat> I already said what I thought about this offense and this team. It's amazing. It's super fun to watch. I still think Jordan Love has like a lot of little improvements to make, which almost makes it even more exciting the way that like, I think there's like some, some things where he could be anticipating a little bit better and not having to do these touch throws just in the way that the guys are coming out of breaks and whatnot. But like, that's even more exciting is that he's, he's making these plays. The touch ball is there. The deep ball is there. He's uh, like on the play to Jane Reed, that wasn't a route, you know, and he's hitting the guy, um, <clears throat> for what was that like a sixty-yard pass or whatever 59. it was, fifty-nine-yard pass, like way off. Yeah, he's improvising. You know those types of things. Like on the screenplay, if anybody remembers, well, yeah, everybody does remember. It was the fumble where he was supposed to have a screen to the left. Everybody did the wrong thing. He, you know, he checked out of it. Everybody did the wrong thing, and so he Early rolled in out. The season. His ball security is maybe the one thing that could use some work. He does fumble <laughs> a little bit, but in general, like making that play, making the quick decision, like he would have had the first down there, like all of these, there's so many positives. And like you go back just a few weeks, there was millions of question marks around Jordan Love and he has just completely silenced everybody. I feel like, like the media has completely changed um, the local. And I mean, the local was probably behind him the whole time, but like, I don't know, super impressed with Jordan Love. Couldn't be happier with what we have. I think the thing that I was most excited about coming out of the game was it was a performance from Love that we always expected from Rodgers in must-have-it games or, you know, games with the season on the line, win and in, you know, you're in the playoffs or, you know, a playoff game or whatever. And it seemed like down the stretch of Rodgers' career, like he played fine, but he didn't elevate his game the way that we needed him to to lead us to victory, right? Like I look back at the Detroit game last year, the last game of the season, and this is an unfair comparison, but it kind of illustrates my point. Like different opponent, absolutely, you know, I get that. But Rodgers in that game was 17-27, 205 yards, a touchdown and a pick. Jordan Love was, I mean, by far his most efficient game of the year, nearly a career high in passing yards, two touchdowns that very easily could have been four, like – it he was completely in control and 
I mean, you kind of said it too, Spencer, like just a weird game. Like we, we had 420 yards of offense and the bears had 190 mm-hmm. and we scored 17 points and we had six possessions, like just a, a weird kind of fluky game, but you know, the, not as close as the, the scoreboard <clears throat> indicates. The other thing too, if I can just really quick, Spencer, that yeah, was a good yeah, defense. Yeah. Like that wasn't a bad bears defense. So I, that was what makes it so impressive to me. Well, that's what's kind of weird, too, because um, Aaron Jones, you know, third 100-yard game in a row, and that was the number one rushing D in yeah. the league. Like, that's what almost gives me more optimism. And to touch on what you were saying, too, Billy, is comparing him to Rodgers is – and I, I've talked about it in the past the last few years is how I almost wish you could update Rodgers' software because the way he was playing these last two years – was you know within the system he kind of wanted to do and guys doing the right thing which I do get I just think he was he never wanted to be the number one issue for the offense which is kind of why I think he played this more difficult offense with the hand signals and timing and everything and everything had to be perfect because he didn't want to ever be the blame especially with the way Goody was running things and we saw you know the first chance he could he kind of moved on from Rodgers you know moving on with Jordan Love but it's just it love is playing within the system and he's hitting the open guys instead of just focusing on Devonte or whatever, which I think was kind of by necessity. You know, we look back at that Niners loss in the playoffs in the divisional round. People are like, oh, why did you lock on a Devonte? Well, MVS was hurt. He's not very good. Randall Cobb isn't very good. Alan Lazard isn't very good. Robert Tunyon isn't very good. It's like looking back now at the MVPs that Rogers won. It's even more impressive because you look at, who what he was working with? It was Devonte, and that's pretty much it. So I don't. We don't have to keep talking about Rogers. I know he. I think he's been in the headlines a little bit the last two weeks, but I'm sure we can. We'll deep dive on that later, everyone. We'll definitely talk about that. But moving on, pass catchers: Reed, Wicks, Melton, Kraft, Musgrave, Heath, Dobbs. I mean, God, it's it's just it's so fun talking about the pass catchers because every week it seems to be a little bit different one way or another. Other guys get involved. Jaden Reed. Four, four receptions, 112 yards on the four targets. Again, that very cool play where you had the 59 yards. Where I was sitting, it's like the ball was kind of coming at me. And oh, as really? the ball as the ball is in the air, I'm jumping up because I, I can see he's going to cut and he's got nothing but room. So I'm like hollering when it's in the air. And sure enough, gets down close to the red zone. I was fucking super happy about that. Um, and yeah, I, for the kind of drops we've had with especially Melton and Dobbs and some of the younger guys, Jaden Reed seems to be the number one dude. And I'll, I'll, I'm going to start ripping through the receivers here. If you guys have something to jump in on one of these guys specifically, just do it. Um, Duntavion Wicks, what do he finish with? Uh, five receptions, 62 yards, or sorry, six receptions, 61 yards, the two touchdowns. First play of the second half, that quick throw, that little like, I don't know what the correct term is for it. Like I'd say screen, but no one was there blocking and it looked like it was going to be a three yard loss. Makes the first guy miss, picks up a first down. Just awesome to see the yards after catch from a wideout, which we haven't had too often recently. And then just a couple more big throws, obviously that he caught the two touchdowns. And I'm sure people saw too, where this was on the 22nd birthday of his, uh, his buddy that passed away a couple years ago with that uh, Virginia shooting, that incident. So he did that on his buddy's birthday. Pretty cool. He looked up to the sky a couple times. The other thing, and I know we love comparing guys, to me, he feels like Stefan Diggs 
if Stefan Diggs was like aggressive. Just the way he moves and he looks is just very quick with those strides, and he gets into gear so quickly. But he he runs with that reckless abandon that Diggs doesn't really do. So you're not you're not liking the Devonte Adams comparisons. Then it sounds like he's just not thick enough to be Devonte off the line. He is awfully close. I know the comparisons are just I don't know. I, I, I also thing. disagree with the Devonte comparisons. He's a complete. Yeah. <clears throat> At times, that little jab step, you could maybe mm-hmm. say, and like the way he breaks out of like um, when he breaks on that uh, the slant, it does kind of remind you a little bit, just like the footwork. Yes, but everything else about him, he just feels like a completely different player. Also, Devontae was not playing like this in year one at all. That's what I was going <clears> to <throat> say. Yeah, I mean, it was yeah. a completely different setup for Devontae. It took him what was it three or four years before people I really started really to get off his back. Year. I mean, he wasn't wide receiver one until 2017. But you remember, people were like, who but for the get first this guy off year the team or two, they for, wanted to cut him. <laughs> yes, right. I, I still remember the hashtag cut, uh, cut Adams, you know, start Jeff Janis. Um, and the other things, you know, the comparisons or how he's not like Devontae. Devontae didn't really score touchdowns like Wicks did for that second one where he just ran over guys. You know, not like Devontae's True. baby or anything, but... The way Wicks just way more physical, wonder, way more physical, and I hope it won't be an issue in the future. You know, training camp he pretty much missed all of it with injuries, but I love Dontavian Wicks. Um, Bo Melton, he might—it's just like he might just be good. He might just be good. You know, I think he is weeks. good. <laughs> this is three weeks in a row, five receptions, sixty-two yards. He had that drop, not drop in the end zone either way. You'd like for him to hold on to it a little bit more. The jet sweep with him worked. You know, that was pretty cool. He had a couple nice deep plays that he caught the ball. And especially with how it's gone with Christian Watson, he's been the perfect Christian Watson replacement. I know Jim Nance called him Donald Driver on the telecast too, which is pretty funny. But for them both to have comparable speeds and for Watson to be struggling with the injuries that he's had, it's nice to just have this Bo Melton guy who I think you can kind of plug in to be that kind of, you know, Christian Watson. He was getting a lot of jet sweeps last year. That's how he scored his first touchdown. That, along with the speed that he brings to stretch the field, is a fun little, you know, guy you can have on your bench and bring out. But like you kind of touched on last week, Todd, is Bo Melton capable of leapfrogging Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson? At this point, I don't think it's outlandish to think it's possible. You know, I don't know. I think definitely Romeo Dubs, <clears throat> um, Christian Watson's maybe a different story just because of the massive ceiling Christian Watson has, um, and if he stays healthy, he is effective. But like, also physical. When he was on the sidelines, how many tackles did he break? Was that on the uh, the jet motion? I think so. Yeah, it was like he drug like four different guys for an extra five six yards. I mean everybody on this team is physical like what is this team this isn't a Packers team this is crazy yes yeah and speaking of Romeo Dobbs there too I tweeted out there because like I said I was there listen I should have said this you want to know how fucking dumb I am yes so I'm at the game listening to the game the radio and at home you know sometimes I'll sync up YouTube TV and the Packers on my desktop the Packers radio so that it's timed correctly, you know, so I'm watching live. So I'm at the game watching it, 
and I, I'm listening to the game and I can hear the music being played between plays, you know, both in my ears and out loud. And I'm like, oh, that's, I'm like, oh, it's so, it seems like the radio is ahead of what I'm watching. And then I was like, wait a minute. That is fucking so, one of the dumbest thoughts. That is impossible. <laughs> I've probably ever had in my life. It reminds me of a coworker that I have who once did not realize that the, uh, the moon is closer to earth than sun, than the sun. And it's like, you couldn't be more wrong about something. And I couldn't, I don't know how many worst things I've ever thought in my life for as far as my intelligence goes. But uh, yeah, anyways, while I was there listening to the radio, John Kuhn was on the sideline and he's like, oh, Romeo Dubs is spitting up blood. And it happened oh. on that on the touchdown that he dropped, and he did not play again. He tried to get back in the game. He was on the bike on the sideline, so hopefully it's not a long-term thing. He did go to the hospital that night, so something to monitor. Uh, Malik Keith, he had a couple catches, had a nice first down. He's just a tough guy, great in the run game too. And then, fuck, pass catchers still. Tucker Craft, uh, I, just, I just love him so much. The third and eight pickup. Just a sure-handed. Has he like dropped any balls? This I can't. I can't recall him dropping anything. The only I, thing I feel I, like every week his targets and catches are exactly the same. Like he's not. It doesn't seem like he's dropping anything. Yeah, it's like f- three to five catches for thirty to fifty something yards, maybe a touchdown or two. Like that, and I, it's it's like all the same routes. It's like something in the flat, you know, go break a couple of tackles or something, you know, mm-hmm. kind of a, a scramble drill like that third and eight, you know, maybe there's something over the middle where he sits down. Like we're not asking him to do anything crazy, which is great. And he's still producing. And something else is what we talked when we first really talked about him in season was him struggling blocking, especially in the run game. It was two weeks in a row that we they pulled him to be the lead blocker, and he got fucking walloped by Max Crosby, and I forgot who it was the second week. And then this week, we it's not the same exact thing, but he was the pulling lead blocker, and he helped spring that huge run for Aaron Jones. So not only is he improving what we dumb idiot fans like us can see with him catching the ball, but run blocking. He's just turned into a pretty complete player you know, within the span of a season. And you got to give credit to John Dunn, I believe, is the tight end coach. And once again, I'll throw some to Jason Vrabel, who I was asking for to get fired for several months, over a year now. And you, you can't argue. I still don't know if he's a great wide receiver coach, but you cannot argue with what we've seen on the field here, Billy. So I wonder if for Kraft, because it seemed like Musgrave kind of had a slow start to the year too. And then he kind of started to pick it up a little bit, and then he got hurt. What game did he lacerate his kidney? Chargers. It was the Chargers. Okay, so that was after this, you know, debacle in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. When I mean, back then we were asking Kraft to basically come in as a second tight end in blocking packages, and I remember questioning that. I mean, not exactly that at the time, but it was like you're going to ask our backup tight end to block Max Crosby like that. Like that's it's just stupid. But now, like he's got. He's kind of got his feet under him. He's more comfortable with the speed of the game. And he's not coming in for just a play or two here or there. Like, he's out there more often than not now. The injury, unfortunate for Musgrave, you know, is kind of what dictated it. But I think it's just, you know, playing and getting more comfortable. Yeah, there were 60 snaps on offense. He was out there for 54 of them. And I'm quite confident the first month of the season, Ben Sims, the undrafted tight end, Outsnapped Tucker, so that just kind of yeah, shows yeah. you how how much he's improved. Um, and then Luke Musgrave, like I said, the one catch for eight yards. 
He only played nine snaps. But I and I texted you, Todd. That final drive when Aaron Jones had that quick little yeah. like, screen pass, Luke Musgrave was running wide ass open, and I I was jumping because I'm like, oh my god, if he fucking throws it to him, it's a, it, it would have been like a seventy yard touchdown to the tight end. You part. should post that on the account because that <sighs> clip he is cooking. Yeah, I looked at the all twenty two, but it the cameras weren't zoomed out enough to see like how egregious it was. But he was running. Even safety. just the clip that you sent me, like Ugh. you can, the safeties are like standing flat-footed, and he is just eating up space. And it, it was like yeah. that would have been a touchdown, easy. It would have been incredible, but hard to hard to have any. Yeah, love sucks. Me. Why didn't you throw that yeah. ball? <laughs> yeah. uh, running. Oh, Billy. Yeah. Oh, come on. Yeah, I just wanted to say one last thing about the receivers, and you touched on it with love, but I just wanted to make the same point with the receivers, with how good they're looking right now, like. What's most exciting is we don't even know what their ceiling is. Mm-hmm. Like coming into the year, I remember specifically saying it's really hard to count on rookie wide receivers. Like it takes a while to get into the speed of the game. Like we had not one in Jade Reed. We had two with Dontavian Wicks, too, that have come in and basically become 1A and 1B, it seems, in the passing offense. It's odd, and this is getting way ahead of ourselves because you know i and we've kind of talked about it but i'm like oh three years from now who who's going to still be on the t- who can we afford to keep like shit like that but also what i'm thinking of is it's been a discussion nationally with like jordan love and the packers obviously drafting quarterbacks and sitting them for years and bringing them in and if other teams are ever going to copy that because that really hasn't been a thing and now it's almost like, do you try to, this risky thing that we did with the wide receiver room where everyone is young as hell and may, eventually, maybe halfway through the year, they're going to just get it out of necessity? Because it's been a great... The, the difference between the 2017 Browns, which was the previously youngest offensive skill position group in NFL history, not winning a single game, and this one going on to make the playoffs is just fucking crazy. So I don't I don't know if I don't think want to follow that, but I, I think it's gotta be so rare to get a group of this many talented wide receivers this young. I mean yes. I, I can't think I literally am the only thing I can think of is back in twenty eleven when we had great but they weren't young, right? I'm just thinking like talent wise, we had Greg Jennings, Donald Driver um, James Jones, Jordy Nelson, and Randall Cobb. I mean, that's littered with talent. But this, I'm like, and they're all one or two year players. Um, this is insane. They're all rookies well, and, or and second year. Part yeah. of it for the rookies too is like they were forced into the lineup because of injuries to Watson and yeah. Dobbs has been banged up yeah. a little bit too this year. And Reed, you know, I think was going to have a role on the team anyway because we didn't right. have anybody else at the start of the year that ran the slot. But to your point, Todd, like. Back in 11, Randall Cobb was a nice player, but he was the fifth or sixth option in yeah. the passing game. He was so returning he, kicks and like doing all the other stuff. He was not thrown in to, to really have any sort of a role. Like These guys have been pushed into a role, I think, probably earlier than any of us thought or would have preferred at the beginning of the year, and they're passing with flying colors every week. Moving on to the running game. Aaron Jones, I just Aaron Jones, bring you have to bring him back. He's just so smooth with everything, and ever, since he's been back these last few weeks, all I want to do is just keep crushing AJ Dillon because it's like look at look at what an actual running back looks like. Don't Todd, don't you fucking but, don't don't what? But he's 
that's just all he is. He's not Aaron okay. Jones, obviously. Okay. okay, we'll get into that later. <laughs> so anyways, all Aaron Jones does is pick up chunk plays, especially this game. So I like took notes for chunk plays after rewatching. Seven-yard reception on third and six, a run for 14, a run for 12, another reception for 13, a run for 17, a reception for 12 yards. Just these chunk plays that you can almost count on, like every second or third play you give Aaron Jones the ball, he's going to pick up a first down. The Packers went 14 weeks without a 100-yard rusher. Jones getting 20 carries the last three weeks in a row has gone over 100 yards rushing all of those games. That's all you really need to talk about. And I'm and we'll we'll talk about Aaron Jones. But since you know, uh, you know, you're coming at me there, uh, Todd. AJ Dillon out with a stinger, not the thumb that he got. You know, and again, you know, I've talked about it before. Like turf toe and stinger. It's it's like weird that these injuries have these names. Like a stinger is you know a neck injury. You can't really move your head and shit, or it varies. Anyways, AJ Dillon. Let's talk about AJ Dillon. So this pissed me off last week. I can have this for take news, and I know we're all very optimistic right now. Ross Uglum last week. Ross Uglum, I like Ross. I think he's a smart guy. I don't like this take. He quote tweeted someone. They were talking about Aaron Jones and the running back. So the guy said, I'm excited for the running back in the draft to pair with him next year. Talking about Aaron Jones. Dylan was just so disappointing. And Ross Uglum, question mark, question mark, this is what he said. Why... Why is perception so far from reality on Dylan? He's been basically exactly what they've needed at that spot. He's a 4.1 per carry average behind a pass-blocking offensive line since day one. Catches it well, pass pro well, 18 touchdowns. IDK, how many teams have had a better second back since 2020? Can we can we look at this year? Can we, one, well, beyond this year. We spent a second-round pick on the guy. Two. He is averaging 3.4 yards a carry this year in his contract year when he was the lead guy and had, you know, sh- show up, show show out so that you can make some money next year, you know, make some money on the field, not off it, you know, on the field. You're a football player. You should be good at football. His 3.4 average is only better than the New York Jets. Sorry, it's exactly the same as the New York Jets, who or sorry, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who are 32nd in the league in yards per carry. That is what A.J. Dillon is, running the ball. He's the worst running team in the league if you give him the ball, and he had over 100 carries this year. My guess, I'm going to say this right now, I hope he doesn't resign with us, in 20, 2025 will be his last year in the NFL. I'm gonna put that out there right now. I don't think he's. I don't think he's gonna last longer than that. Do you guys have anything to add to the run game? We can talk about Aaron Jones and him being good. Uh, Patrick Taylor had no carries, which was kind of weird. Emmanuel Wilson didn't get a snap. Thoughts? Um, I definitely think you're too hard on AJ Dillon, but you're I guess absolutely that's, right. Probably that's here nor there. Um, Aaron Jones. I mean, talk about a guy that can create, and when there's a seam, be it the smallest bit of daylight. He just squeaks through there, and then all of a sudden he's at the level of the safeties, and he's dragging guys for five yards. It's just impressive, and like that's what I mean. That's why you pay your guys a bunch of money. Granted, running backs don't get a lot of money anymore, but like a guy that can create in your offense like that against the number one rushing defense in the league in a division game. I mean, like that is something super special, and like. The ability for him too, like a guy, I don't know what he weighs. He's not a huge guy. What probably like two hundred pounds, maybe a little less. All of a sudden, he just like gathers up and he 
he blasts. Was it the last play uh, where we got that last first down? And he I just think like so, yes. he squeaks outside. There's two guys in front of him, and you just see him like build up that head of steam, and he just goes through them for he like falls three yards. forward. And it's like a guy that's that fast. You know, he moves laterally. He can catch the ball. Like he can literally, he can block. He does literally everything well. I mean. Aaron Jones and also be the most humble guy in the world too. Like Aaron Jones yes. is a godsend. Like for the Packers, like that's like your guy. If Jordan Love if quarterbacks didn't get all the attention, it would be Aaron Jones. Like this dude's super impressive. I texted one of my friends during the game. It's something along the lines of it's amazing how much better this offense is when Aaron Jones is healthy and gets the ball. Because what I mean, I've know I've said it on this podcast. Many times before, like Matt LaFleur, how many times would he come into the postgame press conference and say, oh, I got to get the ball to Aaron Jones more? Oh, we didn't get Aaron Jones going. It's like, dude, it's on you. You got to do it. And he's done it. You said, Spencer, last three games, 20 plus carries, over 100 yards. I mean, and again, against the number one ranked rush defense in the league. And to further what you said, Todd, like some of the runs that he was making where it's, you know, he's got to have the vision to see the hole. He's got to have the quickness and the lateral ability to get there. And then the speed and acceleration to get through it and actually pick up the yards. Like, there were multiple plays that they showed replays of on Sunday afternoon. And it was like, A.J. Dillon either does not see this hole, doesn't get into the hole, or doesn't get through the hole. It's like... It's one where A.J. Dillon maybe sees it but runs up on the backside of John Runyon and picks up four. Or runs behind Elton Jenkins and gets him injured in Atlanta. So I I think I'm siding with you on the A.J. Dillon referendum here, Spencer. Mm. I mean... I'm not saying... <laughs> I've said what A.J. Dillon is. He's a number two running back. But I but, don't even think he's a good number two. Like There you go. There let, we go. Let's say this, okay? What team in the last however many years has had a better number two? I think Alexander Madison was a pretty darn good number two for Minnesota last year behind Dalvin Cook. Yeah, There's that, probably that, better examples out there. I'm not it, saying that he wasn't better. But there's also worse number twos than him. As, uh, that's all I'm saying is he's middle of the road, number two running back. Like, he's not a great number two running back. Jamal Williams did nothing this year, right? I will say this. He ha- Jamal has one of, I think he has the worst yards per carry in the league for anyone over 100 carries this year. So, And he's, a, I mean, he was a good running back for a while. I mean, obviously age takes its hold on people. He, he led just, the league in touchdowns last year. It's just but one of like those things, too. 17 teams, of them came from inside of the five-yard line. But also, different teams, different situations, different blocking schemes. A.J. Dillon would do better in a different blocking scheme, I believe. That's which, one of which my ones. Which which team do you think he would be better on? One where they just say, it, where it's a drive blocking scheme, not a, not a uh, what am I trying a to zone. say? Not a zone. Because a zone blocking scheme, you need to be able to find the hole. He, I don't... He, even if he does see the hole, which maybe he has fine vision, I don't think he can get there is the problem. Like Aaron Jones can make those jump cuts. AJ Dillon literally cannot move laterally. Like you need to go, you're running off the guards, right? butt cheek. I'm going to give you five, six yards of a running head start. And that's where you're going. And we're going to pull a guard and we're going to kick out and we're going to get you to the linebacker. Like that's what he needs to be successful. And I'm not saying he would be a thousand yard rusher. I'm just saying, Different scheme, he would be better. That's all. I don't know how many teams run that 
scheme these days because so few even carry a fullback and the couple that I can name off the top of my head don't even run that way like San Francisco Miami and Baltimore they're you know still running you know stuff out of the shotgun and pulling guys and getting guys in space I would assume it has evolved but essentially what the Vikings used to do sure okay offensive line speaking of you know schemes blocking offensive line uh kind of a weird game love was only sacked the one time but i think the offensive line overall playing better this back half of the season especially pass blocking has been a huge reason for the success that we've had rashid walker held up fine zach cruz tweeted out that in the second half of the season rashid walker has been the sixth ranked offensive tackle according to pro football focus so we'll see what happens there this offseason zach tom was kind of in and out of the lineup he hurt his finger so hopefully he's good to go on Sunday going up against Micah Parsons. I mean, it looked like he... Yeah, that was odd the way it was like every few series he was coming out, Nyman was going in. Like, Yeah. I I don't know. The Packers are one of the few teams that like rotate. You know, it, they made and a it works. thing with the right guard thing. Yeah, it somehow works. Uh, same thing like the previous weeks where Runyon played two more snaps than Ryan in this game too. And I don't know. I don't have much to talk about it. Jordan Love didn't die. We ran the ball well. No real complaints. I assume you guys don't either. Anything on the offensive line? Anything else we missed there? Hmm? My I want to I want to oh, say oh. something more than no complaints. Like I thought the Ooh. offensive line was great. Jordan Love was sacked once and he was hit once. I mean, that's, that's pretty good. That's really damn good. And then in the run game, the number one ranked rush defense again, yeah. beating a dead horse, but we ran the ball between Jones and Melton 24 times. They had three tackles for loss. That's it. That's that's pretty damn good. And what it, and we average four point six yards of carry. So and that's including Jordan Love's three for minus one, which would include the loss on the you know the uh, the kneel down at the end. And oh then his sure. Two yard run on the the botched third and one or whatever it was where he fumbled. So I think just <clears throat> big credit to the line for run blocking better down the stretch here. That's been huge. And granted, having Aaron Jones back there really helps. So. And Myers, of course, playing uh, better the second half of the season. He's, I saw a clip again today on Twitter of him like pulling and being a lead blocker, and he actually got there. But you watch it. Watch him do it. And it's like, this guy is lumbering. It is I weird wonder, that you're asking this guy to move like this. Does he look slower because he's so big, and usually centers, when they pull, they're not that big? Like I, That's why I wonder, too. Like If you it's were to like do a, a comparison where they lay the videos over each other, is he actually that slower? Or is, <laughs> yeah. His steps just like longer. I don't know. Yeah, I'd like to see that. But uh, with that, we will have a quick commercial break. All right, and we are back with the defense. The defense, pretty good. Didn't allow a touchdown. I was pretty happy to be at a game at Lambeau and not have a Bears touchdown be scored. Pretty cool. Um, Kind of still a weird game, though, because it was a slow start for the defense it was such a bend 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 don't break type game where it was you know kind of chunk plays a couple third downs they were picking up like when fields gunned that one to eq i was like god are we gonna have some fits here today but eventually it just led to it's like this offense just wasn't a threat they had the couple chunk plays the one to dj moore for 39 yards i think it was that was about it you know nothing else really scared me and the third down sacks are so fucking fun one because it's a sack 
two because it's you don't you don't have to worry anymore. You know, if you get a second down sack, it's like fuck. We still have a Joe Barry defense playing third down, but you got to give credit to Joe Barry too because he has been mixing it up um, with the blitz blitz packages the last few weeks. I looked it up. Quay Walker had no sacks uh, three weeks ago, and then he had half a sack, a sack, and a sack in consecutive games. So it's just showing you that they have been mixing up those blitz packages too. But certain things off the defense, the front seven. Rashawn Gary, I don't know, kind of a quiet game. He had the one pass deflection on fourth down, which... So I was confused at the game. There wasn't any real clear replays. So did that left tackle move? And then yes. he had that false... That offside yes, false start <clears throat> on fourth and five, that was incredibly lame. <clears throat> so he, like, hitched a little bit, and then, like, he was trying not to move. He was leaning backwards, like, falling backwards as Rashawn crossed the line. But he did move before, and he was moving when he crossed the line. But they didn't yeah. call it. Because I saw Quay was, like, blitzing, too. And it's like two guys were moving, like, the line, the offensive line was playing. So Yeah, they pointed it out in the broadcast. Okay. Yeah, that was that was pretty lame. <clears throat> uh Preston Smith, I don't not not a ton in the stat sheet, but post game he said, "quote Joe B's been dialing it up. He gets a he gets a lot of hell in the media, but we've come together. We play for Joe B. Preston is a Joe B guy, and again, it, you know we say it a lot, but he is a nice guy. I heard this week too, like John Kuhn just praises uh, praises might not be the right way to uh, say it, but." He says Joe nice Barry, things. He's like the nicest guy. He said every time you cross Joe Barry in the building, he says, hi, how's how's it going? And like talks to people. So it's like he is a very nice guy. And hopefully we still move on from him. But uh, Preston did play with Joe Barry in Washington as well. Mm. So he's got some history there with him. LVN with that sack on the first drive. That was pretty cool. Who else has done that arch celebration thing? Did, did Nick Perry do that back in the day? You know what I'm talking about, where he like pulls the bow back. Maybe Chuck did that too. Isn't but the bow. I'm trying to think who did that before. It's somebody I... big did the bow. Yeah, I could be wrong, but I don't know. Um, JJ, you know, still kind of a quiet year, but he did have two tackles for loss, so that was pretty cool. Kenny Clark sack on the third and six, um, forced the field goal attempt. I want everyone to know. So I was at the game. You know, I saw the replay. We see Kenny celebrating after it. I just want everyone to know he did that celebration in tandem with Carl Brooks, who was right in front of him, but you didn't see that mm. on the telecast. So, you know, you miss the real important stuff when you're just watching on TV. Um, it, oh, sorry. I burped. I'm, I'm drinking a beer while podcasting. Uh, Carl Brooks had that sack. That was fucking awesome. The little swim move. You know, Fields couldn't do much. And still, a great rookie season. Forces that third and 22. He also had two tackles for loss. Just, I mean, once he's the, probably the best defensive lineman we've drafted since Kenny Clark, right? I know I know Wyatt's been getting some hype here, he's too. He's what, he what we wanted Wyatt to be, kind of. Maybe yeah. not <clears throat> exactly, but that success and, like, what we kind of thought he was going to turn to this year, Wyatt just hasn't. I feel like he just can't. Wyatt can't quite get there. When Carl Brooks gets there, he destroys whoever's blocking him, and he's there so fast, right? He finishes. When it happens, and I mean, the Bears' interior offensive line is pretty fucking shitty, but it's still... Garbage. Because Wyatt had a sack where he was very impressive in this game, too, and a tackle for a loss, but it's just... 
I feel like Wyatt is like a good player on Twitter. Like people hype him up. I saw someone else. I forgot who tweeted out, but they're like, Wyatt needs to get his credit. Like he's like sixth or seventh he, in like pass rush win rate. And I'm like, that's great, but I'm not really seeing it on the field. The know. pressures are important, right? Like <clears throat> it does seem like whenever he gets there, he's getting there with somebody else and he's not finishing. Somebody else is. Yeah. Which is fine. But it does seem like when Carl Brooks is getting there, it's like he's the, he's the only one, right? And he also, if I don't know if you could see it on the field, Spencer, but when Carl Brooks had that shoestring tackle on the screenplay. Yes, play, yes. Uh, roll, yeah, that was beautiful. That was like a classic Kenny play almost because it feels like he always sniffs out those screens. And watching it, it's almost like he was beat so bad, but he was like, wait a minute, I'm right here. And then he just grabs the ankle of the running back as soon as he caught the ball. It was awesome. I mean, I, I think that Devontae Wyatt's had a he's had an okay year. Like, sure, he has a high pass rush win rate. He has five and a half sacks, which right. I don't know how many sacks we're expecting from our defensive linemen, especially in a three-four scheme. Yeah. How by well Joe Barry, it's spread around because everyone's getting sacks. It's right. not like one or two. Wyatt has five and a half. Kenny Clark has seven and a half. Career which, high for him. That's yep, insane. Career high. Carl Brooks has four. Uh, Rashawn Gary has nine, I think, and Preston has eight or something like that. So it's it's kind of coming from all over the place. And I'm going to be honest, there were a lot more sacks by the defensive linemen than I would have anticipated. Yes, yes. And it it has to be the, the most. And since Dean Lowry got drafted by the Packers, I would, I'd be willing to bet it's the most sacks from the defensive linemen. And I would say the actual linemen, if we're in Matt LaFleur terms, um, that we've had in quite some time. Uh, Quay Walker, he had the 33, oh, it was a 33-yard pass that he allowed more. I don't know. It was zone coverage. It, and I, I think that's, you know, the Bears maybe out-scheming us. Yeah, which I guess they're allowed to have one good play. Uh, he had a sack, again, and I gave that stat where he had zero going into, you know, three weeks ago, whatever. Now it's been a lot better. But yeah, I thought he had a solid day, you know, and we didn't see much from Devondre Campbell too, which I think is kind of a good thing at this point because he seems to be more of the liability between the inside linebackers there. Um, secondary, Jair Alexander, first game back after after the suspension. He was announced as a starter. I was kind of holding my breath. He did. He wasn't a captain, did not go out as a captain. He played every snap on defense. And of course, you know, Matthew, I'm watching. He was talking to everyone on the sideline, dapping dudes up on the bench and everything. So it seems like he is taking things more seriously. And we were, Todd, you and I were right last week talking about Jair and if he would be a problem. We saw the uh, his media availability last week where he was a little remorseful and he said he's going to take these a little bit more seriously. And then Monday, we see the, the clip of him on the news. Which yeah. <laughs> that looks like something out of a movie, like it's fake or something, you know, where he, he just pops up and then w- what does he say? It's, uh, you heard, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm just here to tell you that the pack is back. And then the news lady is like, you heard it from a fan right here. And I thought she did a great job of just rolling with the punches. I know people gave her shit for saying it was oh, a fan. Did they? She didn't even look at him. She didn't yeah. know who it was. <laughs> yeah. And even if it's not like she's going to know what everyone looks like on the team. I know Jair is kind of a superstar, but I thought that was fucking hilarious. It, and it's like, and you know, maybe Matt said, hey, when you're in this building, you got to be serious. So Jair is like, hey, I'm, I'm going to go outside and talk to this fucking reporter. I can do whatever I want. If I'm just imagining like 
they're they're doing i don't know where they were shooting that but like it looked like it was outside the pro shop they were all the way on the sidewalk and he was like walking home and he was like, <laughs> I'm going to talk to them. Like he doesn't have a car. So he's like walking down. I don't know. So that's what I was wondering if he was like driving into the lot and then he like parked his car and ran over to where get the, the cars shot. come out. <laughs> you wouldn't be anywhere near a sidewalk. Because right? I, th- like, I think they moved the players entrance now too, oh. with the new lot and everything that they have okay. where they put the players inside a parking ramp and closed keep them further away oh. from the fans which is what mark murphy loves doing um yeah i thought jayer was good carrington valentine that great pass breakup on cole Komet, where i guess he was kind of beat but watching it live it was just like fuck that should have been a pick should have been a pick i will i will take it Keyshawn nixon i thought he was good again for the slot position had a couple tackles Corey valentine guess how many snaps he had valentine i didn't With really see him out there uh, i'm gonna Cor- guess Corey valentine or Corey Baltimore. Corey Baltimore. That works. <laughs> if sorry, quick sidebar. Oh god. I I was at the Vikings game. The PA announcer oh. <laughs> every single time announced Corey Ballantyne as Corey Baltimore. The first time I I heard it, I was yeah, like, close. Wait, what? That's, it just got to be a mistake. And then he did it again and again and again. It's like, okay, and guy, nobody way, told him. way to do your job. That's just boring announcing. He only had four snaps in this game. Four? So, wow. Yeah, yeah, a little interesting, but I thought he was going to play more. Which was surprising to me because obviously he had his name called multiple times. Well, should have had his name called multiple times in Minnesota. So I, I thought he had, know a, had a nice was. game. They're like, we got to find this Baltimore guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the safeties, Jonathan Owens, him and Darnell started. He, I don't know. I told you he had the hit on fields, whatever, but you know, they held up well enough. Darnell Savage, I think our days might be numbered with him as a Green Bay Packer, but God, it's two weeks in a row. There was a big pass to Cole Komet. I do not like having a safety that plays safety like Darnell Savage. You got, I, I know... I know the league's going away from it, but two weeks in a row where he could have absolutely lit someone up and he just didn't do it and he even allowed the completion this week to come out. It was the second largest play. I, it was kind of a weird angle where I don't know how hard he hit him. I know Komet was a little slow getting up, but it's like, how do you not stop that from happening or at least go after the ball? It's just so fucking frustrating. That's what I thought live. I thought that, I almost thought that he like ripped it away from him, you know, and had it in his gut. And then it's like, wait, you didn't even get the ball and you barely even knocked the dude down. Like I thought he was going to get lit up or something, but it sure looked to me like he had a beat on it and he, he could have made a play on the ball. Maybe it's just an instincts thing and he didn't think he could do it. I don't know. I think he's just not, he doesn't have like covered skills, unfortunately, like Honestly, I think he's really good in the box. Put him in the box and have him sniff out runs. Like he can run the alley. He can go downhill and make and put hits on guys, tackle running backs, whatever. And even on tight ends, he actually does a decent job close to the line of scrimmage. Right. Right. You you start getting deep, and then it's just like I think it's just not his game. It's it's too bad because we need that right now. Which is weird because that's what he was drafted to do, right, Spencer? Like I thought he had like a really high RAS score. He was fast. Like he's he's not a a Rudy Ford like big dude enforcer in the box. But in college he was that, right? I'm pretty sure that's what he was in college. He just has the speed to be rangy. 
Well, that's kind of the issue, too, because he played much better under Mike Pettin than he did under Joe Barry. Joe Barry's asking him to do some different things. And I forgot what, if it was Rob Domofsky or Wildy, but they alluded to, I think it was Domofsky, who said that he doesn't think that Darnell Savage likes Joe Barry because it doesn't really play to his strengths, Joe Barry's defense, so whatever. Join uh, the club, Darnell. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Anthony Johnson Jr., only the four snaps on defense. Rudy Ford was thrown on the IR, so his Packer career might be over. I'd probably want to bring him back just to be a special teamer, if nothing else. He seems to be a really great dude by all accounts as well, which the Green Bay Packers only need more of. I, I like bringing in those guys to be like on the bench or you know help out in, in little spells here, like you know uh, Tyler Davis helping out on the sideline now. Special teams, fucking A. Anders missed. <sighs> oh, another thing, too, that the one that the Vikings made the first field goal did not hear the doink live. You cannot. I thought it went right down the middle. You do not hear doinks live unless you're close to it. So just a little fun fact there. Um, here's a question. So I watched the replay. How? So if you're at a game and you're behind the field goal post, you know, and you see, like, the guys with the target... They have, like, the big target that they pull out. How dumb would you feel if you bring the target, you're telling strangers next to you to, like, hold the corners, and then the kicker kicks it and they miss? And it's like, oh, hey, can I, can I, get, can I get my corner back? Can we pull this all back in? I want Yeah, to I think you feel thing. pretty dumb. Yeah, like, the, the risk versus reward in doing that is slim. Like, oh, he made, he made the, what was it, a 35, 41-yard field goal. It's like, that's not very rewarding to lug that tarp into Lambeau Field. So, I don't know. so do you think people actually bring those into the game and like the, the arrows that they, they point to the left when the opponent is kicking or the, the you know, point it straight up when your team is kicking? Because like I yeah. went to a, a, a college, a university with a Division One basketball team, technically, and they would hand out like all those signs and everything to, oh. you know, the student oh, like section. Like the university owned the signs and they would hand right. them out. Yeah, like they That's would hand funny. it out to the student section so that it looked good. I mean, not that oh. anybody was watching Bradley fucking basketball, but <laughs> at any rate, so because it, it's just weird to me that every single game there's some doofus that has one of those. Yeah, I would think with college, that's more for morale and getting kids involved. I don't think. Lambeau Field. They probably don't want people to no. get involved. You know, everyone knows about the ushers telling people to sit down and shit. But whatever. Um, and then yeah, special. There was that one weird touchback that we got at the two that was scary to watch live. Keyshawn Nixon, man, I really thought he was going to be more important on returns this year, especially when it got cold. I know we probably had the most mild weather at Lambeau Field just about ever this year you know we had a game in january and it was like 39 degrees it was nice i thought it you know and we're not it's not going to be any effect in dallas but he just really wasn't the same Keyshawn on kick returns this year um yeah other than that scored 17 points didn't punt once uh you guys got anything else with this game we've gone pretty long i think we covered just about anything oh billy your mouth is a little agape what what you got how many field goals do you think anders has missed this year Ooh. Is it I, I think he's missed five or six extra points and I think he's missed like five field goals. He's missed five extra points and six field goals, which I don't know how to feel about that. Bad. Because <laughs> yeah, bad. he's missed the most extra points in the league. <laughs> right. That's, that's but bad. at the same time, like he's converted eighty two percent of his field goals. Like that's Yeah. It doesn't feel terrible, but and I, I understand It's gonna the, be 
the extra point is no longer a 99.7% proposition. But it's but not 30%. That's that's true. But when when the team was bad, he was good. Now that the team is good, he's bad. That's how it kind of went. Remember, I called him automatic Anders to begin the year, and now and it's that's like, you were the only one. <laughs> like, just his mom just, doesn't call him that. Yeah. Just purely from a percentage standpoint, he's 29th in the league in field goal percentage and 33rd in extra points. So, Oof. it <laughs> backup it feels okay, but now it's like, yeah, when you when you see how it compares, like. Well, especially when you see the Cowboys and they just picked up their kicker from like the XFL or whatever, and he's like the best kicker in the league this year. Like never played football before, basically, yeah. and he was yeah. made his first thirty-three in a row or whatever. Yeah, so I don't know. We'll see this off season. I just hope they bring in an actual veteran to push him for some competition because I like if we cut you could fucking cut him and probably put him on the practice squad. I don't know how nervous that, are you going to be if we are down by two. And we have the ball on the thirty yard line. I'd kind of love it. I I would, but for, you would be sure so if, nervous. If, if you if you wanted to tell me right now that we would have that situation on Sunday, I'll take it one hundred percent. No question. Oh, I asked. would take it too. But it just like with Crosby, it was like okay, all we gotta just don't make a mistake. I good suppose. snap, good hold, kick, and we're going next I round. Was, I was but just this say is the gonna same be thing. like everybody could do everything right. And you could give him 10 seconds and he would right. miss it. But there would be no better way to end the season when we went into it having no having no idea no idea what the fuck this season was going to be and then to you know end that game potentially with Anders and have no fucking idea if he's going to make it or not. It would be okay. the perfect end to the It's to fine season. today, but next year <laughs> yes, our expectations exactly. are yes. going to be different. Like, uh, yes. I don't know. That being said, percent. Mason Crosby is not the answer. Stop clamoring to sign the dude. I'm sorry. And no, I'm not saying to sign him. I'm just saying when we had him, it was like... Right, boom. for sure. But I've seen way too many Reddit threads oh, really? about I, wanting to sign Mason Crosby. I, Mason, I don't think it's... I don't think it's outlandish to say that if Mason Crosby was our kicker all year, he would have done a better job than Anders Carlson. I would for say sure. that. I mean, we you probably also, would have set his range at about forty-five yards, and which, a, which means he would have made accommodated extra points. the. Well, yeah, but then we're accommodating <laughs> the the offense differently, and, and maybe yeah. instead of kicking a longer field goal, you know, we punt. Nobody likes to go for it more in fourth down. It seems like than Matt Lafleur, even with Jordan Love, which been, which has been pretty cool. But uh, I think Dan Campbell likes to go for it on fourth down an awful That's lot. That's true. True, but Dan, well, Dan Campbell does fuck up. But even the end of the first half here was kind of an example of whatever. Either take news. Football time. <laughs> Take news. All right, take news for the week. I don't really have anything planned. I just want to talk about playoffs, the success of the team, how we're feeling. So, you know, we're here. Playoffs. Matt didn't want to talk about it all year. Never did the previous years, too, but we are here somehow doing it. I I think our our New York Times percentage chance to make it, like, went down to 3% at one point this season. But, man, it's just, it once again, just playing with house money. So I'm just going to start off here. One, overall, I mean, I'm pretty sure all our vibes are good, but two, 
how do you feel about making a run in the playoffs? For instance, we have the second worst Super Bowl odds. Guess what our odds are to win the Super Bowl right now? I saw a graphic today on Twitter, and it was like, here are all the teams and their odds, and the Packers weren't on it. And I was like, oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> we're in the playoffs. Like, you can at least give us odds, right? Like, I can't remember what sports book it is. I'll try and find it. But it was like, there was nothing. I thought I saw, some, like, you know, one of those analysis tools or whatever it is that runs projections. I thought I saw, like, 3% or something. Well, so the odds are, I've seen 90 to 1 and 100 to 1. Now, I'm I'm a dumb idiot. I, I don't bet on the Packers. True. But I'm like... I'd sprinkle a little something there to get decent odds. Uh, it's not going to be our podcasting. But, yeah, it. I don't know. I still feel pretty good. I don't want to say it feels like 2010, but I guess how do you guys view that? What year would you compare this to? Because I feel like it's a mix between 2009 and 2010 going into the it playoffs. It feels like 2010 to me, and I, like, I'm – I don't want to say it out loud, but like that's just what it feels. Or 2009, I mean, the 2009 season into 2000. No, sorry, 2010 season when we won the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl season. Super Bowl season. (laughs) Yes, that's what it feels like to me. But I'm like, I don't want to say it because it just feels like it's like bad juju. But I'm like, this is a team that is getting hot at the right time. There's key guys that are showing up, right? Like James Stark showed up at the right time in that playoff run. Um, and it's just yeah, like, yeah. it just feels, we got healthy. Like, I don't, I'm just like, ah, it just, it feels too much like that to even want to like, think about it. You know That's, what I mean? Like I'm just along for the ride. I'm trying to keep my expectations low, but after last week, I think I'm all in. <laughs> I'm going to the Super Bowl. I don't know what else to do. I can't help it. Just, just because, so you said you don't want to, you don't even want to put that idea out there. So I'm going to do you a favor and just shit all over it. Okay. Ooh, oh boy. It feels nothing. It feels nothing like the 2010 season to me. I would, I would agree with the 2009 season. Yeah. A young team, first year starter. I don't, I don't remember expectations for that year. Did I expect us to make the playoffs? Maybe we made a wild card with that fun game down in Arizona. Like, it feels like we could go down to Dallas and have a shootout with them and maybe we lose a heartbreaker. I don't know. But 2010, let's remember a little bit, we were absolutely decimated by injuries that year. We lost your Michael Finley. We lost uh, Ryan we lost Tyler Davis early on in the year. We Surely. lost A.G. Dillon right now. Right. Luke Musgrave. Those guys aren't <laughs> starters. But at any rate, let's also remember that it was Roger's second year he was significantly better that year as a starter. He had a nice first year, but that's that season was when he started to take steps and you said, this guy's got it. And we also never trailed in a game by more than seven points that entire season. Yeah, yeah. So we were in every single game and it was because of the injuries and we had all these young guys that got playing time early before they were ready that we lost some of those games. So... I don't think it feels like 2010 because we also had a number one ranked defense that year. And what's our defense ranked this year? 31st or something like that. So we are 10th in points. We are first in points for what you're referencing in 2010, which is through DVOA. Yes, we are like 31st or 32nd, which is probably a more accurate number, especially on Sunday. God, that that was like the quickest game ever. I swear to God, Matt LaFleur 
and it seems like it happens a lot where they just slow down the game where it's just a possession game, you know, and it's almost a little aggravating because I just want to see the offense put up a shit ton of points. But, yeah, I don't know. It, it is just back to maybe this is just kind of that break where we had those Super Bowl runs for like three, four years in a row where we entered the playoffs and it's like that was the first time we actually had to worry about something throughout the whole season. And now the one worry we had was if we were going to make the playoffs and now that we're here, it's like, well, who fucking cares? This is this is nothing. It's just look good. And if you don't, hopefully the defense looks like shit so we can just more easily move on. And that that's something to put out on Twitter too is what if we beat the Cowboys? I, I still, barring going to the Super Bowl, I think Joe Barry isn't going to be back. But what if we beat the Cowboys... Mike McCarthy gets fired, and then we hire Dan Quinn to be our DC next year. I think that's there's a chance of that happening, which I would welcome. But I don't know. I Let's. Just, yeah. I and I get that the defense has played better the last two games, but neither the Bears nor the Vikings in their current states are exactly world beaters on offense. This is still a team that gave up 30 True. points to Carolina, let Bryce Young throw for 300 yards. The Vikings trotting out their 17th different quarterback with one legitimate option on that offense and Justin Jefferson. Eh, okay, maybe Addison two, had a good Jordan, year. Jordan yeah. Addison. Yeah. But you have a quarterback that, you know, can't get him the ball and the offensive line was trash, True. True. is yeah. trash. Bears similar story. You have a quarterback that can't get DJ Moore the ball they can't run the ball worth anything the offensive line is trash so yeah the off the defense was better but the, they weren't exactly inspiring performances because they were bad offenses and again I was at the Vikings game Justin Jefferson was running like in his own zip code on several plays through our secondary ah, and it was Jair just a was matter out. of if the quarterback yeah, happened out. to see him or <laughs> if the offensive line just wasn't able to hold up long enough. So the last two games does not mean that, in my opinion, Joe Barry should keep his job or that we have a, all of a sudden a good defense. No one wants Joe Barry to keep his job. It, it's kind of like the defense last year. Everybody was all excited at the end of the year during that four-game winning streak or whatever because we forced an unsustainable number of turnovers in those four games. Eh, yeah, we'll see. But have you ever thought about this? Magic. Huh? Mm -hmm. That's what I'm talking about. What about the Packers are going to go into Dallas with Ja. The whole defense changes, right? Mm -hmm. Lucas Van Ness becomes a star. Now he we're just talking. Bullying tackles, right? JJ Anigbare, tackle for loss machine. Who's their there running back? Go. Doesn't matter. He's in the backfield on the ground, right? The defense is going to come together. Now we're the offense is going to play lights out. I'm all in. I'm do done with the have, loser. Do we have Michael's secret stuff or no? We Potentially. Got Jordan Love sweats it. He's just going to spray it on everybody in the locker room. There you go. <clears throat> so there you go. I am all in for this playoff run. We're going to the Super Bowl. There you go. So there, you heard it here first. All three of us think we're going to the Super Bowl. Uh, the last thing I want to touch on, Richard Williams. You guys know who Richard Williams is? I, the name didn't yeah, strike Yeah, Dick me. Williams. I I know people have talked about him before. Dick Willie? <laughs> Dick, Dick Willie. Yeah, you, oh, you know him. He's the Packers director of pro personnel and has been since 2019. I just yep. want to give him a shout out. He's the guy who brought in like Razul Douglas, 
you know, Devondre Campbell, Rudy Ford, Keyshawn Nixon, maybe Bo Melton too, because he was technically a pro that they brought in. But I wonder yeah. if he's, especially now when people are getting interviewed for GM jobs and shit, I wonder if he's going to be a name that's going to start popping up here because I know other guys have mentioned him as well. But uh, with that, is Kyle an idiot? I'm not an idiot. Okay. You sure? Yes. Is Kyle an idiot for the week, Todd? You were terrible last week without Billy, but hey, he's back. I was, so let's see. I was screaming at my computer <laughs> when I was said, listening back. Oh, I was so frustrated was, with you, Todd. I was like, all I could think about too, which didn't help either. I was like, oh, Billy would know. <laughs> Billy would know the rest of these. All right. First one. Tough one. Probably the toughest. I don't know. Since Rodgers took over for Brett Favre in 2008, what has the Green Bay Packers record been in the 11 games, including playoffs, against the Cowboys? 11 games, how many wins? There are no ties. I'll give you that little hint. I'm going to say 10 wins. I, I mean, like We like never lose to the Cowboys. I specifically remember we lost to Dak, I think, his rookie year at Lambeau. I can't think of another loss, so I'm going to agree with 10. So close. Nine and two. Oh. You guys remembered, or Billy, you at least remembered the one I didn't, because yes, we did lose to Dak. It must have been his rookie year at Lambo. I think that it was either tw- 2016 or 2017. The other loss. Oh. I don't know. It was like two. Th- it was Rogers' first year starting. It was 2008, and it was the Miles Austin game. I think he just fucking obliterated oh. us. Oh, okay. He had okay. one long touchdown for sure, but yes. I, I knew we had beat the Cowboys a lot, but 9-2 and two is a pretty incredible record for going against a team that's always usually at least around 500, you know, at least in our lifetime. So, the, Sorry, so that's since Rodgers became the starter full-time? Yes. yes. Okay, so that doesn't include that 2007 game on Correct. Thanksgiving or whatever. Gotcha. Yep. Number two, Cowboys head coach Mike McCarthy used to coach for the Green Bay Packers. He did so for 13 years. How many coaches coach in Green Bay for longer than McCarthy? Two. Who do you think are the two? Curly Lambeau is one. I, yeah, I was going to say. <clears throat> Lombardi didn't. Lombardi didn't, right? So I think it's just Lambeau. Really? Because Holmgren al- arrived in 92. And he was there until like 90, 98, 99. Like, I can't imagine that we kept Bart Starr that long or Forrest Gregg or Lindy and Fonny. I'm pretty confident saying one. Very good. Yes, it is one. It is Curly Lambo. Guess how long he was the coach for? 29 years? Yes, you're right. Are you looking at it? Yes, it was 29 years. Jeez, McCarthy was there so for 13. Uh, and a little fun fact here, too. Mike Holmgren plus Mike Sherman combined is still less than how many years Mike McCarthy coached the Green Bay Packers, which is pretty crazy to think about. And since we're playing the Cowboys, I was curious, I looked it up. Tom Landry coached the Cowboys for 29 years, the same as Curly Lambeau. Wow. He just happened to do it like 40 years before <laughs> Landry did. Tw- so 29 years also, coincidentally, was the drought between our wins in Super Bowls 2 and 31. There you go. Wow, you're a numbers guy. It's almost like you're an engineer or something. Number three, what Packer had 817 yards for the... 
I, I'm so good at writing questions. What Packer had 817 yards for the Packers in 2002 before being traded to the Cowboys that following season? I know this one. Yeah, this should be easy as long as you can think of it. Terry Glenn. <laughs> yes, very good. Terry Glenn. Uh, he only spent the one year the Packers traded for him. Spent one year with the Packers, did halfway decent, and then the next offseason they traded him away. And in that same offseason they traded him away, they traded for Al Harris, who is obviously the defensive coordinator for the Cowboys and one of, if not the best Packer of all time. Billy, you got... You I, got... I remember Brett Favre really wanted Terry Glenn. Oh, yeah? I, I didn't know anything about the Packers in 2002, 2003. I, the only thing I remember from that year is... It seemed like he was a disappointment because there was one game like late in the year where Terry Glenn finally broke off a big play or something, and Favre being Favre like went and tackled him and like screamed oh, yeah. at him. That's why we fucking brought you in here. And it's like, yeah, finally, <laughs> finally in week like week thirteen. Thanks, Terry. Huh? Because uh, I would have thought two thousand two being a number two receiver, eight hundred seventeen yards isn't a disappointment. But I, and I maybe that's just me as a dumb twelve year old at the uh, time. That makes a shit ton of sense, actually. Uh, Billy, do you have a stump spinny for me? I do. Wow. The Packers' victory against the Bears on Sunday was their tenth in a row. Yep. Which, fun fact, my niece just turned five uh, shortly after Christmas. She has never seen the Bears beat the Packers. There you go. Good girl. Anyway, uh, so the first win in that streak was the season opener in 2019 at Soldier Field, a game that mm-hmm. we won 10-3. to mm-hmm. Who scored the Packers' lone touchdown in that game? <sighs> so it must not be Devontae because you're asking me. It is not Devontae. Amos had a pick to seal it. And yep. I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure MVS had a big play to get us in the red zone, but I don't think he scored. God damn. You're going down the right road here. Uh, well, see, now, now I said he, I don't think he scored, but you're saying the right road. I don't think he was. It's not MVS. Yeah, okay. <sighs> For whatever reason, I... It can't be right. I want to say Big Dog. I don't think it was Big Dog. Who else was there? Fuck. It wasn't EQ. <sighs> it's taking way too much time. I'm I'm going to. God, I feel like it was a tight end. I'm gonna go with Jamal Williams. I don't fucking know. It was Jimmy Graham. It was Jimmy Graham. God, see, I knew, I had an inkling it was a tight end. It was like, God, he is like walking his way through this. Like, I think it was a tight end. I don't think it was Big Dog. It's like, what other tight end was on the roster? Because I'm like, I I don't think it was Big Dog because I know he scored against the Giants that year. And I believe that was his first touchdown. I don't think it was Tunney because I would have remembered. But yeah, Jimmy Graham. Fuck. Okay, that makes sense. Oh, 0-1. I don't think I've done very good lately with this stump. Yeah, I'm an idiot. Okay, moving on to the preview of the playoffs. The Green Bay Packers are playing the Dallas Cowboys. Doesn't that just feel right? You know, we're playing the Cowboys in the playoffs. Nothing else. It's like this is is an all-American just We are their Niners. Yeah, that's a weird way to look at it. Just Shit, saying. I, I guess we are. Yeah, maybe we're. I stumbled onto Cowboys Twitter, and there was a bunch of memes about like when they realized that they're playing the Packers, and it was like they're devastated. Yeah. Shit. Maybe we're gonna be like the twenty twenty two Niners going into. I don't know. We'll see. But yeah, the Cowboys are 
a good football team or whatever. We're playing 330 on Fox, so I'm assuming it's going to be Kevin Burkhart and Greg Olson, who I think they're decent. They're pretty good. They've improved throughout the couple of years that they've been the main guys for Fox or whatever. Uh, Cowboys, like we mentioned before, are seven and a half point favorites. God, that seems like a lot. The over-under is set at 50 and a half. Cowboys finished 12 and 5 and won the NFC East after the Eagles have completely shit the bed. On offense, they were the top scoring team in the NFL. Uh, Dak Prescott led the league in touchdowns. They're fifth in yards per game at 371.6. They're scoring 29.9 points per game. They have they are the second best third down team in the league. Rushing the ball, they're 20th at 4.1, uh, sixth best at yards per pass at 7.2. They also have the best completion percentage in the league. Uh, they don't turn the ball over second least in the league, and they are also sacked the eighth least, so pretty solid overall on offense. Dak is their QB with Mike McCarley, Mike, Mike McCarley, Mike McCarthy calling plays once again after moving on from Kellen Moore last offseason. Again, Dak leads the league in touchdowns, and he's probably going to get some MVP votes. He's playing really well after shitting the bed last Stats year before, really getting, yeah, before getting injured. Uh, CeeDee Lamb, I did not realize the yards he put up this I year. I was just looking at that. Or the catches? How many catches did he have? 135. That's pretty good. 1,749 <laughs> yards is ridiculous. That's crazy. But yes, cartoonish numbers. He also had 12 touchdowns. Brandon Cooks, the number two receiver, who's had one of the sneaky, like, just really a guy you could count on. He's played for so many different teams, but 657 yards, eight touchdowns this year. Jake Ferguson, the former Badger, 761 yards, five touchdowns. He's pretty solid. Was it was he a undrafted guy or a late round pick? Wasn't he a later? He was like a fifth round pick. Yeah, I was thinking fifth round too. Um, ba- Barry Alvarez's grandson, by the that's way. That's right. Yeah, that's oh. the thing they throw out there. Uh, Tony Pollard, their lead back after moving on from Zeke last year, has been kind of a disappointment with only a four yard average. He'd always been a very explosive player in limited in his limited role previously. Still yep. a thousand yard back though. Yep, still <laughs> barely went over a thousand yards this year. <laughs> and had 311 yards receiving and again the offensive line they're solid but they're not the juggernaut that they've been in the past uh on defense solid defense fifth in points at 18.5 fifth in yards at 299 15th in run d 4.2 a carry and ninth in yards per pass 6.3 they have the fourth most picks in the league seventh most sacks and they're also one of the least penalized team in the league overall Michael Parsons is a beast, 14 sacks on the season, was elected to his third consecutive Pro Bowl. Uh, Dorrance Armstrong has 7.5 sacks on the season, pretty good, the defensive lineman. Uh, Demarcus Lawrence is still there as well. Uh, Darren Bland, their their number one corner with uh, what's-his-face being hurting out for the season. Uh, Uh, Diggs, Trayvon Diggs. Trayvon Diggs, yep, so... Bland has nine picks on the season, which is pretty good. And, and they're five pick sixes. Oh, I wow. didn't realize that's how many pick sixes. Yet. Holy shit. Uh, Stefan Gilmore is their other corner. Remember when we wanted to trade for him when he was with Carolina, but instead we picked up Razul Douglas on waivers and put him on our practice squad that same exact week. And then we traded him away for essentially a fourth round draft pick while going through a playoff run, which was fucking stupid. Anyway, so he's he's there now. But yeah. That's that's the game. That's that's the team. The defense is solid. The offense is really good. It's a little spooky. I don't know, but it there there's a weird 
Like I'm not af- I'm not afraid, as the famous Eminem once said. I'm not afraid, and maybe we'll see what happens in this game. Because I, when I think of the future, I don't see us losing. I, I don't see us winning, but I see some fuck shit happening. I feel like so. I don't know, Todd. Do you see some fuck shit happening in this game? I just wanted to you you buried the lead a little bit here. Uh, kicking and punting. Uh, punter Brian Anger, oh, pro God. bowler. Kicker. Brandon Aubrey, Pro Bowler. Yeah. So I mean, that's probably their best. Ver- that's their best part of their game, right? Eh. Anyways, <clears throat> um, I don't know the the, the Cowboys. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, this is a tough go on paper. It doesn't really look like we have any business. Uh, I mean, you think? And unless, um, unless what's his name? Unless CDD goes down. And Shut up. I'm just saying. Unless they die. Why, why, why don't we just have Jair covered? But it doesn't CD matter because Jair is going to stick to him like glue. I will say they are a little bit. They're like a chunk defense. And if there's anything that we that Joe Barry's defense tries to defend against, it's chunk plays. And they do tend to slow it. It's like. You know, death by a thousand cuts is usually not big plays, so it'd be interesting to see how it plays out. I like to—I mean, it's gonna be interesting. And then at the same time, I never felt super great when we were one-dimensional like that, yeah, right? Yeah. Like I didn't feel great. It's like if Devonte has an off day, or you know, if Dak has again anybody, if your quarterback has a bad day, you're probably losing the game. But it's just one of those things. Like there could be plenty of opportunities. We just gotta wait and see. On paper, it looks bad. But I still feel confident. I'm excited for this team to go in there. I think we could, could we could play with them in a shootout. I know their defense is really yeah. good. I'm scared of Micah Parsons, as everybody should be. But, man, I'm really excited about this team, this offense. If Christian Watson's back, we literally have all of our weapons. Like, it could be fun. It could be a really fun shootout. Something that does give me optimism, too, and I forgot who said this, but someone said that the Cowboys have a – Decent, you know, they've got a good defense, but they're not a very good tackling defense. And if there's something that our pass catchers oh. force, they force you to tackle them. And that's something that I'm looking forward to. But yes, Billy? Dallas, I mean, one of the media talking points is that Dallas is a different team at home. Like, they're undefeated at home. Mm-hmm. But looking at the schedule, the, the teams that they've played there, like the bad teams they've played at home, they've blown out. You know, the the Giants, the Commanders, the Patriots, the Jets. But the the handful of decent to good teams they played there, the Eagles, the Seahawks, the Lions. Like, the Eagles, they were in their free fall, but the Lions was a one-point game. The Seahawks was a six-point game. So I think the Packers can go in there. I think we can score points on them. I don't think the Cowboys are unbeatable at home by any means. Um we're going to need some fluky things to go our way. Like it, it looks like Dallas has only turned it over like 11 times this year. Yeah. Like Dak has nine picks. So, you know, can we, can we get a lucky bounce? You know, Micah Hyde had that goofy interception on the screen pass back in the, I think the Jared cook game. Um, you know, let's, let's have a fluky play like that go our way. So is there a route to victory? Absolutely. Is it going to be a likely one? No, but I mean, we have a chance. There you go. True, true. Yeah, Billy. The thing I think of, too, and I think Big Cat has said this in the past, 
but it's just Mike McCarthy's dumb face. And I love Mike McCarthy. You can't find a bigger Mike McCarthy stand than me. I mean, we had to move on from him when we did, but I love Mike McCarthy. But his face and something about him and the game management at the end, like you could... Yeah, it's not good. <laughs> it makes sense that the Cowboys would lose in the first round of the playoffs to the Green Bay Packers, much like we would lose to the Niners. And it's just, I don't know, man. If we come out hot like we did on Thanksgiving and we can get the ball first, score first, if if we're up 7 nothing, kicking the ball back to the Cowboys and then we get a stop or something, I'm fucking, I'm getting ready to win the, the damn game because I don't know, man. It's just, the everything's been so great this year and it just doesn't feel like it's gonna end that way but if it does I'm still happy because I don't know what it is but I'm just imagining the lights in Dallas and I'm like you know this didn't go our way but we got next year and we're gonna fucking run the NFC next year I I don't know but there's no time to think about next year when we're about to make a playoff run. When, yeah, a Super Bowl run. I, I agree A so Super Bowl much. run. With that, 100%. Todd, do you have your score prediction for this game? Oh, I, so I've been playing with this one <laughs> the whole time we've been talking. I'm, I'm a roller coaster of emotions on this one. I think it's going to be, I think we're going to score a lot of points. I think they're going to score a lot of points. Mm. We don't. We don't leave it to Anders at the end of the game because you can't, right? I think it's going to be a really close game, but my score prediction is going to be a little bit – it's going to be a little funky. So I'm saying 36 to 43, Packers win. All right. High-scoring game. Billy. I'm with you, Todd. I think it's going to be a, a oh, shootout. Oh. I don't know that it's going to be that high-scoring. <laughs> um. And Spencer, you kind of mentioned it. Like the last handful of games that we've played Dallas, especially the big ones, there was the the Aaron Jones coming out party down there. Where four touchdowns, four touchdowns, or whatever. There was the Des caught it game that he didn't. There was the the playoff game down there with the the Jared Cook catch and the Mason Crosby field goals at the end. Such like, great memories. <laughs> what what did what was the common denominator in all three of those games? We got off to a fast start. So. I'm with you. I think we get out to a fast start. We play from ahead a fair portion of the game. And Dallas makes a run at it. But I think in the end, maybe a Mike McCarthy time management blunder helps us uh, helps give us a chance. I think we win at 31-30. I don't like that Billy's picking us to win. Didn't you just shit on us for being optimistic in the previous segment? Th- that was That was about going to the Super Bowl. Beating Dallas is entirely different from okay. going to the Super Bowl. Okay. A- ask me again. But we're we, doing both. <laughs> ask me again if we have to play San Francisco next week. So it's funny listening to one what Todd had to say about, you know, can't let it come to Anders and Billy, what you were saying with the score. I have written down, and I don't know if I don't know if I've ever done this, but I don't really have a score. I have twenty five to twenty eight and it comes down to an Anders field goal. I'm saying my prediction oh. is it comes down to an Anders field goal to force overtime. I don't know if we're going to win. I don't know if we're going to lose. So we're either going to win 28-25 or lose 28-25 is what you're saying. We're either going to lose 28-25 or go into overtime and win like 31-28 or score a touchdown. No, that this is a cop-out. You need to make a pick. <laughs> but if I... 
Okay, I okay. So I have us losing twenty-five to twenty-eight. Anders is going to miss the field goal. One of us. There we go. Has to pick the Packers to lose. Someone's got to do it. just just I, for the most. I said after right Kansas number. City, I was picking the Packers Ooh. the rest of the way. I didn't see us making it this far. I but you did. You picked us to. I don't know what doesn't fucking matter. N- nobody pays attention to this. These predictions, anyways. Todd, what is your bold prediction for this game? Five Jordan Love touchdowns. All right, Billy. That was your prediction last week. If we could hold on to the ball, it would have been you would have been one off. But if we well, if we would have had, if he didn't fumble it, he had a chance. I was going to say if we had more than six (laughs) possessions, but yeah, fair. uh, So Aaron Jones seems to have Dallas's number. Like he averages like 120 yards rushing in three games against them. So I'm going to say 150 yards rushing and two touchdowns for Aaron Jones. Okay. Okay. That's bold enough. My bold prediction. Tell me if this isn't bold enough. You know, I mentioned the bad tackling. I have Tucker Craft a 35-yard-plus touchdown in this game. No. Bolder. 40? What do, what do you want to do here? Two of them. <laughs> All right. I'm going to do 40, I was willing over to 42 accept- and a half. Over 42 and a half, I will accept that. Okay, and over Love 42. And, and a touchdown. Two yes. 42 and a half yard touchdowns. <sighs> All right, one touchdown over 42 Exactly and a half. 42 and a half yards. No longer, no shorter. There you go. With that, I I listened back. I don't know if I had corrections. I'm, I know I we had some mistakes last week, but I can't for the life of me remember them, so... You know, hey, leave a review, leave a rating, five stars on Spotify, Apple, whatever. You know, tell a friend, tell an enemy, tell a stranger on the street to listen to our dumb podcast about the Packers. Uh, yeah, Todd, yeah, you got something there? Mm, you're, le- you're leaning in. Jaws back. Yep. The Packer back. Okay. Joe Barry back. <sighs> I, Maybe. Uh, Again. <sighs> no, just now, not next year. I. This uh, offense. Oh, my God. This offense has arrived. I mean, there's a lot to be excited about. Don't think about next year. We're going to beat. We're going to beat the Cowboys. We're going to beat whoever else is in front of us. It's going to be exciting. Let's let's enjoy it. There you go. If, nope. Again. Get it, nervous. At the beginning of the year, if you had told me that we were going to make the playoffs, like, that was... That was best case scenario. I I'm the idiot that thought we were going to go seven and ten as recently as after the bye week. So I'm done having fun. I have so many expectations for this team now that regardless, I'm going to be disappointed. <laughs> well, that took a terrible turn at the end. I was going to say I'm looking forward to sitting down unless the- we win the Super Bowl, which we're going to win the Super <laughs> yeah, Bowl. There you go. I'm looking forward to sitting down on the couch for kickoff. And just having no care in the world. Now, I'm sure, like, I, I <laughs> much different situation. Like, I said that to myself in the 2014 NFC Championship game. I'm like, I'm just glad we're here. Then at halftime, I'm making, like, super, like, I'm getting ready to go to Green Bay to watch the Super Bowl there. And then I think you guys know how. That was me, like, five minutes after we beat the Bears. I'm like, oh, my God, this is amazing. <laughs> we're going to the Super Bowl. So with that, we'll see. Either way, I've had a lot of fun, and I'm really excited for this game. I don't have anything else. Do you guys have anything else? Where is the Super Bowl? Not Arizona. It's freaking always in Arizona or Florida. Next year. Is it New Orleans? If it's not New Orleans this year, it's New Orleans next year. Here we go. Yeah. Book your tickets before things get expensive, guys. Yeah. Well, um, I love the Packers. This is good radio. We're Googling where the Super Bowl is. 
Vegas. Vegas. Okay. Oh, let's go. We can go to Vegas. Let's do it. Oh God, that that sounds. There's nothing less not, Packers than watching a Packer game in Las Vegas. I feel like the sa- the sanitized whatever bullshit. Like I was I was sprinting to my car after the game last week, running through lot one, dodging, and I sw- I I wanted to take a video or take pictures. There was like eight just piles of vomit, like. It would be like a car vomit. It would be like two cars no vomit. Then it would be vomit again. So much vomit in lot one at uh, in Green Bay on Sunday, which was a, a sign that you know the world is healing. We have our quarterback. Everything is right in the world again. But with that, I don't have anything else. Do you guys have anything else? I'm finally done. <laughs> Sorry, I I have one more thing. Oh God. Okay. So I pulled up the Wikipedia page for Super Bowl Fifty Eight. And it's giving the rundown of who all the announcers are, and they're doing the Nickelodeon like slime time broadcast sure. this Is year. It CBS this year. It's CBS, yeah. Uh, so the sideline reporters are Sandy Cheeks from SpongeBob SquarePants. <laughs> Do you want to guess who the other sideline reporter is? Squidward, Adam Schefter's fucking son. Oh, what? I I hate Adam Schefter. I hate Adam Schefter. We we've gone too long. Well, his son and, and might fe- be feel okay. free to cut this too. By the way, yeah, we're we're already in. So I I hate him. One, he's a piece of shit. I I hate him. You know, all he does True. is drum up content, clicks, whatever. And I've put it out there before. No one really seems to care. But he literally just protected Delvin Cook from being a domestic abuser because an agent texted him, and he had to stay in that agent's good graces. So he, no one knew about Delvin Cook hitting his girlfriend. And Adam Schefter was the first one to tweet about it. And in doing so, he said that Delvin Cook was the victim of an extortion plot from the woman who he hit, which I'm sure... Well, this took a weird turn. I'm sure there's some shit out there. And then also, he went on Pardon My Take. This was the year after he uh, said Tom Brady was coming out of retirement, I believe, before Brady had even told anyone. And Schefter went on part of my take and said, oh, I just felt bad because, you know, my, my daughter at school, people were telling her that I I tweeted about Tom Brady or whatever. I'm like, shut the fuck. Why are you bringing your fucking kids into this for your little fucking pity party? Because you had to break news before anyone else and you fucked up Tom Brady's life, who I don't even like. And then you're protecting... I, I hate Adam Schefter. I fucking hate Adam Schefter. And I, I'm going to assume I'm going to hate his little fucking... It, it, well, and that, that's that's what my point is. Like, I yeah, hate yeah, that okay, this dude, because he's an in NFL insider and sources, like, now all of a sudden his kid can Maybe, be a sideline reporter. <clears throat> it's the same thing with Chris Collinsworth's son. It's the same Ian thing Eagle. with Ian Eagle's son. Yeah. It's, I mean, Joe Buck, whatever you think about him, I don't... Don't so happen to mind him so much, but yeah, I like you know him. he only got a job because his dad was Jack Buck. Like the amount of nepotism all throughout the NFL. Joe Barry, we've talked about, <laughs> but even in the media, it's like my dad. My dad was a communication software engineer. Like fuck, if he'd been an NFL reporter, I could be doing a real podcast. Yeah, sometimes. Whoa, whoa. So, and you know, sometimes I even know someone who got their job that they've been at for like nine to ten years. Just because their fucking buddy worked there ahead of time. It's just... It's a shame. A damn shame. But with that, do you guys have anything else? Uh, No. Please, for the love of God. Go, go pack. Go. Okay, there we go. Eric Huskin. Cowboys suck. Please, don't sue us. Anywhere I quit my job. Yeah.
just won't pay. I worked all year, I worked all month, then they took my money away. Have you ever had a cheddar worse where you're like, what is this cheese? No, I'm like, really. I don't. It's just a hot dog with cheese in it. And I'm like, if the. Like if the, the Johnsonville pre cooked ones that you get at Hy-Vee or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Thank you. About. If you're ever. I want eating a ri- a I'll eat a cheddar brat. Give me yes. a brat. You're not allowed to question anything if you're eating it out of like a sausage. Like you are eating a sausage. You know what I mean? Like. You can't get too upset. But at least I feel like, and I could be wrong. Maybe there's more garbage in brats. I don't think there is. But like a brat, at least like I can see the chunks of meat. We're yep. like, yeah, but you don't know hot, what that meat is and where it came. You don't. But I know it's not. I know it came from an animal. Where a hot dog, I'm like, it's so pureed. It could be anything. Yeah, that's a, true. It's like hot, the pink slime from McDonald's. It's the slime. <laughs> that's what go. it is. It's yeah. the slime. A hot dog could be made in like a factory out of slime and a good broth. You can like imagine being created on a meat like, grinder, like, like in the garage. woods, in a, <laughs> in like a stone building. You know, throwing a couple like of pig's hooves in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, give it some texture. Yeah, give it some texture and character. I didn't mean to put the hooves in. I just wanted the knuckles. <laughs> yeah.